I am Daniela Stockflit Menis. Welcome to my podcast, because everyone has a story. The place to give ordinary people's stories the chance to be shared and preserved. Or stories become the language of connections. Let's enjoy it, connect and relate. Because everyone has a story. I am delighted to share my time with the talented Christy Young for this episode. She's another former colleague that I had the pleasure to work with at Big Brothers. She left a well-paid job and a promising career to pursue her dream of global travel and remote work. I have been admiring her lifestyle on Instagram. I reached Christy at her current home in Ericeira, a small Portuguese surfing town, to chat about her adventure. Let's enjoy her story. Thank you, Christy, for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. How did we know each other? <laughs> oh, wow. First of all, I don't know how long it's been. I met you when I was 18. It's been a long time. I'm 32 now. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, it was in 2007 when I started at Big Brothers. And I always admire your tenacity, how strong, how smart, how talented you were and young. And I learned something silly from you. Every time you made a list, you make little squares. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I do it every time and when I do a list. And then I always think of you. That's funny. Yes, yes. So that's funny. <laughs> There's something satisfying about having a checkbox. Yes. Because then when you finish something, it's a nice check. <laughs> But yeah, I, st I started at Big Brothers. I was quite young, just really eager to learn. And I was really lucky to have people to work with like yourself that I could learn from. I just, I was very lucky the whole time that I was there. Yes, it was a fun place to, to work and to meet amazing people for sure. You are here to tell us a story and your story is about your life and how you got to be where you are now, correct? Oh yeah. All right. Since we talked about our time together at Big Brothers, I worked there for 10 years. When I started there, I, I had entered in with the idea that I wanted to do marketing and I wanted to work for a nonprofit. And so when I was looking for jobs, that was the perfect situation for me. And when I got there, I just met amazing people like yourself and had such an opportunity to learn that I knew what I wanted to do was to build my career there. Mm -hmm. And so I put in the years, I put in the work, I put in the dedication and and tried to just make sure that my skills were thick and span all the time that I was adding new things to the table. Yeah, I think my whole life really was to just build this career. And I think growing up in Vancouver, there's this sense of who you are defined by your job. And I noticed, and especially after traveling, I'll get into that in a minute. I noticed that when people get introduced to you or you are introducing yourself, the first question you get asked every single time without fail is, oh, you know, nice to meet you. What do you do? <laughs> and I know that it's, it's a cultural thing. And I know that everyone expects to be asked that. But I found it so interesting that when I was traveling, rarely did anyone ask me what I do. Not until second or third time even that I saw them. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, and I know that having the hindsight now that that's just what was driving everybody. And it certainly drove me. So I worked hard, had been in and out of different relationships, growing a lot, learning a lot, making lots of mistakes, <laughs> was growing my career at Big Brothers with the goal of really managing the department one day. I cared, and I still do care so deeply about that organization, what they do. 
providing kids with positive role models. So they just have someone to look out for them. When our society is a little bit nuts, especially these days, kids need as many positive role models around as possible. In the traditional sense that it takes a village to raise a child, especially in places like Vancouver, where people are kind of living in detached houses, and we don't really know our neighbors anymore, things like that are super important. I had always been super passionate about the cause and wanted to stay there and grow there. Fast forward 10 years, I became the head of marketing at Big Brothers. And it was amazing. I was really grateful for the opportunity. I had a team of 11 amazing staff to work with. And there was something about it that was so great, but also felt really empty to me. Because I'm very much a planner and my whole life I had kind of planned ahead for myself or set goals for myself. And I'm not saying that goal setting is bad. I think it's a great thing. But I think that I was so goal oriented that in the absence of a goal, I just didn't know what to do with myself. The combination of having reached this ultimate goal and then not knowing what I could reach for next was really scary. And um, simultaneously, I had been in a relationship for about five years. And we were heading toward the settling down phase of things. If I'm being honest, it wasn't a healthy relationship. It was extremely toxic. He was abusive in many different ways. And I was holding on so much to this dream of having an amazing career, getting married, starting a family, and kind of seemingly having it all that I stayed in that relationship far longer than I should have. So when I finally got some room to breathe, Actually, luckily, it was on a, a trip for work to a conference. I had two weeks where I was actually just finally by myself. And I realized that I needed to get out of that situation for many reasons. And I did. And so, wonderful. yeah, having been feeling lost anyway, regarding work and not knowing what was next, this was a huge, a huge, not even a hiccup, it was a huge blow up in my life. But it was so liberating and so freeing that... It was like a long time coming. I knew that what I had been through with him and looking back and realizing how my confidence had been shattered, how my perception of reality had been shattered, my everything, my friendships, my relationships were struggling. I knew that I had to talk to somebody to make sure that these kinds of traumas wouldn't affect me. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm like, I like to be very organized. And again, like I mentioned, I really like to plan things. So I was again in my planning mode thinking, well, if I'm going to live a happy, fulfilled life, I've got to talk to someone, find a therapist and get this stuff sorted out. <laughs> we have similarities in that aspect as well. So that's that's great. Good that you asked for help. Yeah, and I think we're really lucky that these days there's not a lot of stigma around going to see somebody to talk to. In fact, in a lot of cases, it's encouraged. That's great because it's hard enough to take that step, but it would be even harder if if you had to be secretive about it. And I felt really comfortable to find someone to talk to. So I did. Working through all the relationship traumas were a big part of it. But there was a part in our, I guess, work together toward the second, second or third months that I had been seeing her. I went to her weekly, where we addressed the fact that I didn't know what was next. Because I was working this job, which was amazing, and I really loved it, but it felt like there was such a hole because I just didn't know what was next. Mm -hmm. I talked to her about that, and she just asked me this simple question. Well, what have you always wanted to do, work-related or not? What is something that you've always wanted to do? And right away, I answered, and I said, I want to live in another country. I just want to try it because I, I know you know this. 
When I was 16, I went to Spain. My mom sent me to Spain <laughs> for two months to learn Spanish, which I know you'll be very disappointed in me mm -hmm. because I've swapped my Spanish for Portuguese these days. <laughs> I was going to ask, and you can keep both. They're too similar. I could, obviously, because Spanish is my main language, but if if I learn French and then Portuguese, one is going to go. Yeah. I understand. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Spain. I learned, I went to language school and it was for a summer. I learned Spanish, but it was cool because I was there and I was living this normal kind of day-to-day -day life in a completely different country. And it was my first experience of doing this. I had been on vacation with my family, but on those kinds of things, every day is different. You're going to go see a site. You're going to do this and that. There's no sense of routine. And I think in these two months, I developed a sense of routine and really got a sense of, or as much as you can when you're 16 and in that short time of time span, get a sense of what routine could be like somewhere else. And it was so amazing. I had the best time. My whole life after that, I had always said, I want to go back to Spain. I really want to go back to Spain. I want to live there. That was my goal. I got on the bandwagon. I was FC Barcelona fan. I was like Team Spain, you know, with the World Cup. I was just very enthusiastic. Would listen to reggaeton, you know. <laughs> When she asked me that question and I heard myself say out loud, I want to live in another country. Just give it a try. It just clicked. It was such an obvious answer. And I think at the time I did, I wasn't even thinking, well, okay, well, how am I going to do this? I just thought, all right, I blurted this answer out. I didn't have time to really process what that meant or what I would do with that. And I went home that evening and I was on Instagram. And this is where, and I'm a marketer, so I do understand people's hesitations with technology, tracking your every move and feeding you advertising that's supposed to be relevant for you. <laughs> it is evil. It is, you know, I have some feelings about that. But at the same time, as a marketer, it's a dream. And in my case, it literally became my dream because I was fed an ad mm -hmm. by this company called Remote Year. And I think the phone was listening to you. Yeah. And that I'm not a fan of. I did not give consent for my phone to be listening to me because I for sure had never searched anything like that in my phone or on my computer because I had just said it out loud for the first time in years. It wasn't just a coincidence. And I think it said the ad said something about live and work in a different country every month for a year. And wow, <laughs> it was per I was like, yes, 100%. I want to do this. But I was also thinking like, this is super impractical. Let me just see what it's all about. I clicked it, read about it. Sounded amazing. They take care of your accommodations, the logistics for flying from country to country. They even set you up with a workspace and ensure that you have good internet, all those things. What is the name of the company? Remote Year. I clicked onto it. And at the time, you have to apply to be invited, to be interviewed, to get a spot. It, was, it felt like this really exclusive. It was brilliant marketing. It, was, it felt super mm -hmm. exclusive. So I said, you know what? I'm going to apply. And if I get in, then I'll decide what to do, like how I'm going to do this. So I applied. One of the questions was, tell us about your work, because they want to make sure that you actually have a job, because otherwise you might as well just go on a, a year long trip for fun. Like this, the idea of this was to work remotely while you're traveling and be with a group of people doing the same thing. So you can learn from each other. It's basically like a year long networking experience, you know, mm -hmm. thankfully, Mm -hmm. While I was working at Big Brothers, I made the very fortunate but also unfortunate life choice to work two jobs at the same time. So for five years, I worked 80 hours a week. 
running my own business on the side, doing brand management for like health and wellness uh, and natural food products. So I had some experience working from home and with clients, basically freelance and, and working for my own company. So I figured, you know, I've done that before. I could definitely do that again. So I put that down as what I was doing. Oh my goodness. I think it was a week later. Mm-hmm. I got no. Yeah, I got an email saying that my application had been accepted and they wanted to interview me. Wow. And then I was like beside myself. I was so excited. <laughs> I did the interview again with this whole idea of let me just see if I can get in and then I'll figure out the logistics. I did the interview. It was great. The person that I spoke to was on a bus or something like in the middle of Southeast Asia. <laughs> somewhere and she was interviewing me and I thought I'm used to more of a as much as we worked at a charity you know a charitable organization it was a very corporate environment Mm -hmm. you know yes and I was so used to you know when you have a call especially interview number one you wear professional clothes (laughs) number two you're in a professional setting that's quiet in an office you know you ask really more serious questions related to the job blah 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 and I spoke to her and she was on a moving bus with people all around her, headphones on, laptop in her lap, wearing tank top or a t-shirt or something like that, asking me very personal questions as well as work-related questions. I was thinking, this is wild, but something about it felt really good to me. Mm -hmm. And so she told me she'll let me know. I think it was like five days later, emailed me or called me or something, I can't remember, told me that I got in. And I found out when I was at work. In my office. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> next to Jonathan, actually, who I know you've interviewed. Yeah. And Jonathan was in the office next door, and I'm pretty sure I got up and I told him right away. And I said, "Oh my gosh, I just got. It. What do I do?" It was amazing. That's so exciting that you actually remember that feeling. That will never go away from you, mm-hmm. right? Because there's something in it. And I do want to say that they choose people carefully. They said that there was something like 20,000 applications and they only accept a few hundred a year or something like that. So you feel super special, but you're really qualified to do this and you have a cool personality. And they ask you questions. What can you contribute to the group outside of work? Are you a musician? Can you teach a dance class? Can you teach this or share this? Mm. And I thought my parents were amazing in raising me and I had a very well-rounded background. So I said, yeah, like do this and I can maybe contribute in this way. So I felt like such a, a super special human. And One moment, you need to say what other talents you have. You can dance, hip hop, you can sing. No. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know about dancing anymore. I'm pretty rubbish at it at this point. Oh, don't worry. Once you have your kid, you're going to be dancing again. Uh I did dance, yeah, for like 15 years or something. And I dabbled in music for sure. I tried to be a singer in my early 20s. Recorded an EP, did the whole shebang. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It was something that I needed to do, but definitely something that I do as a hobby (laughs) these days. Another caveat of being accepted to this program was she said, look, there's a program in January and there's a program starting in four weeks. And I think that you would be better suited for the program in four weeks, just based on personalities. They try to put the groups together so that you have enough differences in the types of people, but also enough similarities that you don't clash too much. I actually, I said, I I decided to do the one in four weeks. Wow. Four weeks. You had to decide this. Wow. Mm -hmm. Incredible. No, I had to decide at that moment, pay $5,000 for a deposit. Okay. And then, and then tell them I was doing it and book my flight to Vietnam. Vietnam. And I had to, that's where I started. Uh-huh. And I had to do that. I think I had a week to decide. 
But then even if you decide within a week, then you're leaving in three weeks. So I thought, oh my goodness. And I I honestly can't remember how long it took, but it felt like forever for me to forever. And also it went really quickly for me to decide and pack everything up. But mostly I felt really guilty about leaving my job so quickly because I had been there for 10 years. I was given a lot of opportunities that, you know, most people wouldn't get because Mm -hmm. the leadership there really believed in me. I just didn't want to do that to them. But I also had been living this life where everything I did was for somebody else and nothing for myself. I gave up myself to please and support this other person that was such a big part of my life that for once I was thinking, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it for me. And it doesn't matter if other people are affected. Sorry, you know, but I have to do this. And of course, I did everything I could to make the transition as smooth as possible. I made several different work plans and scenarios so that they wouldn't be left hanging. I helped them them hire their my replacement, who is still there now, actually, then made an arrangement with them that I would train them from abroad remotely, take on some projects in the meantime that I could do independently so that she could have time to get acquainted with the organization and with the team and have a little bit of breathing room rather than just diving right in. So everything worked out. Yeah really well. Sounds like you had a plan. <laughs> I, I did. Then I hopped on a plane and that was it. Wow. I traveled around the world for a year. I think in total, officially, we went to 12 cities, a different city every month in 10 countries. We started in Southeast Asia. Then we went to Europe, then Africa, then back to Europe than South America for the last five months. And it was incredible. Yes, it sounds so. And I saw the pictures as well. How long were you in each city? Well, four four to five weeks, depending. And because it's not school program or a a work program or whatever, it really is just, they're just honestly a travel agency that helps organize all your logistics. So you can still work full time and explore a new place. We obviously had the choice to be there or not be there. We paid to be there. But if we didn't like the city, or if we wanted to explore somewhere else, just book a flight yourself and go somewhere else. And because we were all working remotely, we could, could do that. As long as there's internet, we could just pop over to and do, you know, climb Machu Picchu for the weekend or something, and then go back to Lima, where we were based out of and where our office was and everything. So it was really amazing to have experiences like that. And it was very much a grown-up version of what I had done when I was 16. And it was everything. It was everything. And those the people that I met, I will never forget for the rest of my life. And there's some of them are still my best friends. How many people were in total? There was 30 of us due to circumstances and, you know, things changed. So I think at the end, there was maybe about 20, 25 that stayed on to the end. It's pretty impressive. It, it is a large group. You're living in your, it's, we're adults, right? Like we're living in our own apartments. We can come and go as we choose with whatever activities they had planned for us or organize our own. If we wanted to go to the workspace to work, we could. If we wanted to work at home, we could, because it was really up to us. As much as we traveled as a group of 30, we weren't always, like most of the time we weren't together. And you really got the opportunity to get to know people on an individual level in that way. And that was really valuable for me. That's a, that's amazing. You get to connect with them. Tom, I saw you pictures. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I am 
with big envy of the good envy, of course. <laughs> and I think maybe I'm looking back at it with rose-colored glasses. It was incredible. It was the best decision that that I had ever made at the time. And most importantly, it led me to this confidence that I could live anywhere and work anywhere. Mm -hmm. That I would be able to thrive in running my own business from anywhere, meaning that my opportunities just completely opened up opportunities for work, for life, for experiences and relationships and friendships and everything. One of the places that we went when we were traveling was Lisbon. When I got to Lisbon, I was just beside myself. I was so happy. We had just come from Morocco, which was amazing. We spent a month in Morocco. Wow. Coming from North Africa, then back to Europe. It was just a, such a drastic change of scenery, <laughs> that, but in such a good way. And Lisbon, if you've ever been, is just beautiful. It's like a European San Francisco. In fact, we actually have a bridge here that was built by the same person who built the one in San Francisco. Oh. And we have streetcars just like San Francisco. <laughs> but there's this beautiful culture of people who are, I just, I can't explain it. In Thailand, for example, everyone's so happy and smiling and polite and just full of this really bright energy. And, and that's one thing. But here it's everyone's so warm and amazing. And it's got this really kind of a big hug kind of feel. But also there's like a harshness to the culture that kind of balances it out. And I love that. Beyond the architecture and the food and the people and everything, it just felt super right to me. I had only been here for less than 48 hours before I said, yeah, th this is the place. I'm going to live here. 100%. Really? You yeah. already know that. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling. Later on in my travels, I was in Medellin in Colombia for a month or five weeks. And I, I loved it so much that it was a real contender. I was deciding between Medellin and Lisbon. But I chose Lisbon because I wasn't quite done traveling yet. And I knew that being in Europe, based in Europe, would be a really good opportunity for me to just go to Spain for the weekend, go to Greece for the week, you know, that kind of thing. And I felt like it would be a better choice for me at, my at that time in my life. I moved to Lisbon after my year of traveling to the excitement and disappointment of my friends and family. Well, you're leaving again. <laughs> We just got you back. <laughs> Where did you end your trip? You started in South Asia, in Vietnam, and then? We ended in Bogota. Okay. Yeah. So you were in Medellin for a month and Bogota for another month. Yeah. And when I was in Bogota, I actually went back to Medellin for a week because I missed it so much. Uh -huh. And then after that, officially the trip ended in, in Bogota. But then I went to Mexico for a few days. You had to drop a bug. You couldn't stop it. I, I wasn't ready for it to be over. So I went to, to Mexico with a few friends for a few days. And they all stayed, I think, for a month or even longer after that because they were really not ready to come back. But my brother <laughs> was waiting for my return date. And so he and his wife, my sister-in-law, booked a trip to Japan And literally the day that I flew back from Mexico, got off the plane, I went straight to their house to babysit my niece and nephew for two weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> They were very eager for the for the auntie to come home and, and help out with the kids. And I was I was obviously very happy to see them. So that was great. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I definitely had this anxiety about going home and then suddenly everything changing or not so much changing, but going back to normal. And I didn't have a normal anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I, I had a home, I, I was living with my parents at the time. So that was nice. But other than that, my job wasn't there for me anymore. 
I would be working remotely in the same way that I worked the whole year, but at home in Vancouver, and it felt super weird. Mm -hmm. So I booked a flight to New York to spend some time with a client team out there who I had never met, but I at the time, then they're, mm -hmm. I mean, I still am now, but they're full-time marketing manager. And I had never met my team in person because I started with that client when I was traveling. I took the opportunity to spend some time in New York, which was great. And then I think the week I got back after that, it was Black Friday and there were flight sales. And then I, book a, I booked a one-way ticket to London mm -hmm. with the intention of going to Lisbon after that. And that was it. Because I just... <laughs> I, I just wanted to go back to Europe so badly. But what was it about Vancouver? Do you think it was just uh, your life or curious about what you thought, what you felt? I was born and raised in Vancouver. I think it's one of the most amazing places in the world, really. I think the combination of having lived there and then having a taste of other things and not being done with that yet, as well as just looking back, I definitely will say with confidence now that there was a big part of me leaving based on running away. I was literally running away from my life when I had booked that ticket to Vietnam. Because people who have stability and are extremely happy in their lives don't typically book a one-way ticket around the world and quit their jobs and leave in four weeks. You know, <laughs> Maybe they want to, but they can't. <laughs> Or they think that they can't. For me, I, was, I think I was definitely a part of that was me running away because I had been through so much in that relationship that I just needed to get away. I hate to admit too, a part of me was also just scared, been through a lot of moments of fear in that relationship. And I think ending it was the scariest thing. And when I did, I was a little bit just afraid of retaliation. So a part of that was just me getting out of the country mm -hmm. so that I couldn't be hurt anymore or have to deal with any situations that might have come out of that. I understand that, Christy, because I also left Miami with the same feeling. I was wanted to run away from a relationship that it was very dysfunctional. And I thought the only way was to actually leave the country. I didn't know that. That's amazing. And and after Miami, then you you went straight to Vancouver and met Dave and everything? No, after Miami, I went to Montreal for six months uh -huh. and lived with my parents there. And then I went to Switzerland after that. Oh, yeah. You lived in Switzerland. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's when I met Dave. So, yeah. So, you we have a very similar story now that I'm thinking about it <laughs> that way then. Yeah. Besides the 20 countries that you visited. <laughs> <laughs> But the motivation, mm -hmm. you know, the the whole thing. And then just feeling like there wasn't really much left for me in Vancouver to explore because I didn't know how to live my new kind of remote traveling life in Vancouver, staying still. At least being in Europe, I could pop out, like I said, pop out for the weekend and still have that sense of adventure. Whereas being in Canada, we're so far away from, from everything. You know, everything is at least a five-hour flight. It just didn't seem, one, economical, and two, it just didn't seem like it was going to give me that kind of culture shock that I was still craving. I understand, Christy. I've I, been here for 24 years raising our kids and having a family, and I definitely feel the same way that I time now to go somewhere that you can be closer to anywhere you want to be. Mm -hmm. So when you move to Europe one day... <laughs> <laughs> you'll have yeah just like you when you moved to Switzerland and you met Dave I moved to Lisbon I had just left London where I slept on my friend's couch for a month which was amazing it was very very 
nice. So let me do that. And um, I arrived in Lisbon, I needed to find a workspace, you know, on Instagram, like you said, it looks amazing. I'm going here, I'm going there, there's pictures of this and that. I was still working a full time job. One of the first things I always have to do when I go somewhere new is unpack and then immediately find a place to work. Because for me, I'm not good at working at home. I'm still really bad at it. And I needed a co working space. I went to one that was close by. The first day that I worked there, uh, I met two people who were sitting at the desks across. And they were so friendly. One was German and one was American. It just gave me this amazing feeling of community the minute I sat down. And I feel like there's something about co-working spaces, about people who are remote workers, people who are travelers, that we feel community without even knowing each other because we have this thing in common that we're crazy. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) (laughs) that left such a good taste in my mouth. And I just said, I'm not even going to try other co-working spaces. I'm just going to stay here. And that's it. Two weeks later, I was assigned a desk. I was on the waiting list for a fixed desk, which meant that I could have the same desk every day. Previous to that, I basically would just sit wherever there was free space. And for me, I'm quite a settler. So I like to have a consistent place to put my things. And I got assigned a desk. It was in the corner room, which was a little bit away from where I was working before that. And when I walked in, there were three smiling faces (laughs) uh, welcoming me me in. And one of those faces was my now fiance. (laughs) I met him pretty quickly upon arriving to Lisbon. The rest is history. We we spent a really nice year together in Lisbon. And then in June, when the coronavirus felt like it was going to last a little bit longer, we decided to move to this surf town, Ericeira, which is about a 40-minute drive away. So now we have our, our life here. We're expecting our first child <laughs> in March. <laughs> and it all just feels so surreal and amazing. I mean, the pregnancy hormones aside, I literally cry at least a few times a week due to gratitude that I get to live this life and that I found my person who's amazing. He's kind, strong and supportive and fun and all these things that I never thought that I deserved. He makes me feel every day like I deserve the world. I'm very, very grateful for him and for our baby that's coming. Yes, congratulations. And this is what happens when you are good with yourself then you find people that are wonderful surrounding you. Absolutely. Took that year of me being away to learn how to say things like no and learn how to build boundaries for myself, learn how to stop being such a people pleaser. And of course, like I'm still nice and kind and everything (laughs) and considerate of other people, but I didn't know until I had been through that trauma and gone through some therapy, what it meant to have boundaries and put myself first when necessary. Traveling and having that year to find myself again and build my strength, give myself credit for the strength I had to leave that relationship really prepared me to meet someone as amazing as Tom, made me mature enough to be able to be in a relationship like this. So this is exactly what I feel. I am embarrassed that I got into a bad relationship. Was I not smart enough? Why did I have to do that? However, those relationships are exactly who make us also help us to get the amazing people that we have around us now. So I guess some of us have to learn what they don't want to know what they want. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you have the same feeling that you wish that it wasn't such an extreme experience, right? To learn this lesson, because I'm not going to lie, everything's great now. And, and I'm very happy, of course, but that 
I mean, it's been a few years, but that trauma still stays with me. Mm. You have to work every day to forgive yourself. Because like you mentioned, there is this sense of guilt or this sense of embarrassment. In hindsight now, how how did I let that happen? Mm -hmm. Because of the woman you are today, you can't imagine how you let that happened before, right? But yes, the, a lesson that we needed to go through, we, we did it and we, here we are, right? And that's why you are the badass strong woman that you are. <laughs> Out of the 25 people or the 30 people that you, mm -hmm. or that you travel with, how many return to their home country? I actually would say there's probably only a handful of us that didn't return to their home country. Okay. There's a few people who ended up moving to a different city within their country. A lot of the people I traveled with were American. There was a couple of Canadians, a couple of Europeans, and a couple of Brits. Off the top of my head, I would say no more than five or six. Yeah, there's someone who lives in Bali now, someone who moved from the UK to LA. Myself, I moved to Portugal. Another person that I traveled with, he moved to Portugal. Actually, we lived together with his girlfriend that he had met in Brazil when we were traveling. The three of us lived together the first uh, first little while when I was in Lisbon. I think there's a, a few more as well who are kind of sprinkled around the world. But you keep in touch. Yeah. Technology is really good. We were really well set up during traveling through Slack and WhatsApp groups. That just continued after we all went our separate ways. And we had our reunion call, our three-year reunion call just the other day, which is crazy. <laughs> that sounds fun. So how was it? Yeah, it was good. It's really nice to, to see what people are up to. But it's funny because you think about the idea of a reunion, like, like a 10-year reunion from school or something. But these days we live in an age where we have technology and social media. And I mean, everyone knows what everyone's doing anyway. Yes. So it's not this much of a big event, I think, as sets out to be. There was a lot of, hey, cool, nice to see you. But I also talk to you every day anyway. So, <laughs> you know, we've been really good at staying in touch. And I actually have now I focused on three main clients for my work. One of them is someone that we traveled with, who actually was the one who let me sleep on his couch for a month. And he is a very successful entrepreneur and has this great company. And I'm fortunate enough that he trusts me and my business partner, who we also traveled with, to help out with his marketing. And so that business partner, her name's Erin, she lives in LA. And she and I started working together this year in January. And we haven't been able to stop because for some reason, our skills complement each other very well. We're able to put together projects and deliverables that we're really proud of for our clients. Outside of building so many friendships in that travel group, I also have this amazing business partner that I never would have expected to have. Great. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So that sounds like an amazing adventure and you got so much out of it. That is incredible. Congratulations. I'm really happy that you share this story. I wanted to touch on the sense of community that you are feeling being in, in Portugal. I think is, is amazing. I have that here in Steveton. <laughs> Yeah. because it's a little village. I go to the supermarket and then I go to the chocolate store and I chat with the people. It's a mini, mini version. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree that if you don't have inherent community, like your family and your immediate friends, especially when you move abroad somewhere else, you just have to build community. And I think that's something that's always been really important to both Tom and I. We are both people who have a lot of friends. We both moved here to Portugal from other places. 
by ourselves without anybody else. Then we moved again to this small surf town where what I love about it is there's a community. And whereas in Vancouver, I went to the same coffee shop every day. And I, two years later, they st- <laughs> I still had no relationship with the recess. And here you go twice, then they remember you already. And then they're a part of everything. Mm-hmm. And being pregnant is amazing too, because then, you know, they watch your belly grow. <laughs> and <laughs> when our son is born, he'll have all these people look out for him. Exactly. But it's so important to just not rely on each other because it's too much. For our relationship, we help each other grow, whether it's intentional or not. And I think it's super important to have community where I go out and spend time with my people and he goes out and spends time with his people and we have people in common together. But it's the experiences that you gain with those people that you bring back home and there's lessons to teach your partner or stories to tell that then helps them grow and helps you grow. For us, we do everything we can to try to build that community no matter where we are. Yeah, that's true. I'm happy for you, very happy for you. And I am so glad that you got the time to speak to me because I've been following you and you're always traveling the world. Well, I'm very, very happy that you reached out and I'm thank you for uh, allowing me the platform to share my story. Yes, that's true. It's going to be preserved. And now when your kid grows up, he's going to listen to his young mom at 32. I have one question for you. One more question. Is there anything silly that you do? That I do? I can share it with something that I've done that is a little bit weird. Okay. I mean, uh, among the many things. I wouldn't say weird. I should rephrase that. It's something that I did in my past that is a little bit unusual, but it was one of the coolest things ever. When I was in my early 20s, mm-hmm. I was, like I mentioned, trying to be a singer and doing the YouTube thing. And this producer of a TV series saw one of my videos somehow, he reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to have coffee to talk about a potential partnership or collaboration. What it ended up being was they had me record the title track for his TV show. The catch was that, well, I'm I'm Chinese. I don't naturally speak Urdu, which is like close to Hindi. But the song that I had to sing for this title track was in Urdu. So that was a challenge. (laughs) I learned the song, learned the meaning and spent many hours in the studio re-recording things over and over again because I would sing the pronunciation wrong and everything. (laughs) I mean, after some time I got it and it ended up being this smash hit in Pakistan, which is insane. It was used in a Lipton commercial. The show was big there. My friend was in Dubai at the airport and he saw my music video on the TV. It was crazy and weird because it was so popular over there and like not really anything in Vancouver where I was. And so I had this very strange, exciting and (laughs) unusual experience of being pseudo famous in a country that I've never been to. And then you don't speak the language. I remember that you were so excited and you were like, I'm so famous in somewhere else. (laughs) It was wild. Yeah, it was like the first 24 hours, we got like 800,000 views or something. And then just kept climbing over that because I mean, it's gimmicky. It's really cool. Like Asian girl sings in another language. It's a good song. It was written and performed by this legendary Pakistani singer called Alamgir. Such an icon in Pakistan. We should put the link on the description of the podcast so that people can see it. <laughs> that would be cool. I remember that. You had a lot of fans and you had to respond. Yeah, it was fun. I got some marriage proposals. It was a good wow. time. Wow. <laughs> Get you. <laughs> 
Christy. Well, thank you so much again for being here and sharing your story. I enjoyed it so much and loved the time that we spent with you. Thank you so much. I loved it too.